Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to episode number one of the Project Fortify podcast. Uh, if you are a coach or consultant and you're looking to grow your business, maybe you have marketed and sold yourself into a place of pain and your day is full of chaos and overwhelm and you're looking to get out of that. Maybe you're in a place where you're really just looking to grow and scale without having to be in the day-to-day. This podcast is for you. Now, think about this. As a coach or consultant, what's normally holding your clients back? Normally, it's internal work. It's the work that they have to do internally to get them to the next level. And just like your clients, your business is the exact same way. So we focus mainly on the internal workings of your business. Now, we're going to be bringing on some special guests. We're going to be having some awesome conversations with people uh, and so they can share their insights and share their stories of their entrepreneurial journey. Um, But the main focus of this podcast is really going to be how do we structure and how do we fortify the internal workings of your business so you can get out of the day-to-day and be significantly more profitable without being in the way of uh, really of the day-to-day and of your team. Get out of the way and grow. And uh, that's going to be the main focus is the internal workings and how do we solidify, fortify, strengthen, protect against attack, uh, especially with what's coming up. You know, it's... um, it's August 2022, and man, times are a little wild right now. It looks like we're moving into the big R word. It looks like we're moving into a big recession, and I want to make sure that you guys going into this are protected. And make sure that you guys have the ability to really protect the assets that you have put into place in your business. So we're going to jump right in, but before we do, I want to share a little bit about my backstory and why on God's green earth you should listen to me. What I do want to share with you is some of the lessons that I've learned, some of the wins that we've had, and a little bit of some of the losses that we've taken and just share with you the ups and the downs and just follow with me along this journey. So, um, man, over the last 18 months, uh, I have worked exclusively inside of seven figure coaching and consulting companies as the fractional COO or second in command. We've gone in and we have torn some of these businesses down to the studs and rebuilt everything from the ground up. Uh, some of these business we've just come in and really helped increase profit margins, but all of it has been done internally. Um, It hasn't been done through marketing. We haven't grown businesses through sales. However, those are a byproduct of having really good internal structure and really good internal process and systems. I want to take you back to a time when I was a young teenager, and this is really the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And I remember there was one summer that uh, there was a Bible camp going on at our church, and it was a few hundred dollars to go. And my parents, quite frankly, just didn't have the money, man. And so What I did is I went door to door to door, knocking on my neighbor's doors, asking them if I could mow their lawn or wash their car for five bucks. And what had happened was I did that over and over and over, over the course of a couple of weeks and had raised enough money to go to Bible camp that summer. And um, thankfully I had a great time. I remember going to Bible camp and we were wrestling. I got like a really gnarly bloody nose from one of the guys and we can get into that story some other time. But the, the crazy part was, was when I came back, one of my next goals was I wanted a new pair of shoes. You know, those old school DVS shoes that were really puffy and they had the laces and it looked like you're wearing like, I don't know, a box, a shoe box on your foot. Well, those were the shoes that I wanted. And they were, if I remember, they were like 80 bucks. And I, my parents were like, dude, I'm not buying you $80 shoes. We're going to go to Walmart. You can get the $12 specials and um, we'll start there. I said, I want these shoes, right? I want these shoes. I'm redhead. I get made fun of enough. I want these freaking shoes. And so what I did is I kept going door to door to door and I kept mowing lawns and washing cars. And I did that for quite some time. I had then built a trailer to make it more efficient to get from one place to the next to the next. And so what I would do is I would make rounds around my neighborhood on my bike. I would knock on the doors. I would get 10 people to say yes, 15 people to say yes. 
And then I would schedule with them and I'd come back with my little homemade trailer that I built and I would go mow their lawn and I would wash their car. And I remember one day I was walking in my room. My room had this, uh, this hideous green paint on the walls that my older brother had painted at one point and um, it had like caution tape uh, on the light switches and it was really, really ugly. And I'm sitting there on my waterbed and I'm counting all of the money that I'd made from that day. And my mom walks in the room and she goes, wow, are, are you counting all the money you've saved up? And I remember looking at her and be like, no, this is what I made from today. And her face kind of gets this shocking look on it. Like I was almost doing something illegal. And uh, she comes and sits down next to the bed. I finish counting my money. And uh, I think I was just shy of $300 for that day's worth of work. Um, you know, I had been mowing lawns and washing cars all weekend. Maybe it was two days worth of work. And she goes, you literally made more money than dad did today. And I remember going, whoa. The system is totally broken. If I, a kid in the ghetto with no experience, can make more money than my dad, who at the time was, I don't know, late 50s, early 60s, if I'm making more money than him, then I need to go on a different path and a different journey. And that's what I chose. And I chose the path of entrepreneurship. Now, I mentioned earlier I had kind of grown up in the ghetto. So money, uh, money was not a thing we really talked about. I just knew that money was required to buy things and to do things. I didn't really know a lot about money. I just knew I needed more of it. And so, like I said, I, I was kind of obsessed from an early age with efficiency. And I was able to make more money because of my efficiency, because I would go and I'd make my rounds and I'd go back from my trailer and I'd, or my little bicycle trailer that I had made and I would pull my lawnmower and the buckets of soap and everything down the road. And... Um, I was more efficient at what I was able to do. And because of that, I was able to go out and extract more money from the marketplace than my dad. And my dad had to drive two hours to work both ways. And actually, it was an hour and a half in the morning and two hours uh, on, on the way home from work. He had to drive into Los Angeles from uh, Hemet, which is a terrible, terrible town. I highly suggest you never go there. Um, <laughs> but I realized that if I figured out a way to be more efficient in the marketplace, then that means I could make more money than those people who were not being efficient. Fast forward a couple of years, I am now 20 years old and I am in telecommunications construction. And um, you know, the cell phone towers on the side of the road, I was the guy out there climbing and working on those towers. And um, I'll tell you a story about my, my manager, Albert, here on the next episode. But what I wanna share with you here is I actually was able to move up into project, uh, project management fairly young, fairly quickly, because I was so obsessed with the efficiencies and the productivity of, of, of how I operated from the day to day. And so I'm 20 years old, I'm a project manager, I kind of got thrown into it, I'll share the story on another episode. But there I was, sitting in my office, the biggest office, for one of the largest tower companies in the nation at the time, 20 years old, and I'm managing between 1.8 and $2.5 million per month in construction. Now. I'm 20. I don't know a whole lot about project management, but what I did know was how to be efficient. I knew how to be effective through efficiency. And so the whole goal of this podcast is to teach you how to be more effective through efficiency, how to get you more wealth in your business, and how to give you more time freedom back, because that's why we started this. And so I'm a project manager, and um, I'm working for someone, making okay money, but I am working my face off. And... Uh, I knew I wanted to raise. I knew I was managing my money uh, for the business better than all the other project managers. The 
The goal was each project manager managed about 500,000 a month in revenue. I was managing three, sometimes four, five times that per month, and we were wildly profitable. Some of the, you know, uh, the gold standard, if you will, of that industry was between 18 and 20% margin. And some of the jobs that I was managing, I was getting 40, 45, 47% margins on these jobs. And the way I was able to do that was because of efficiency, because we had systems in place, because we were able to operate in a way that made it so effective it was just super, super potent. And I remember going in and uh, for a review. Now, I'd been fighting for a raise in this review for, goodness, I don't even know how long, probably four or five months now. And the guy's name was Matt. He wasn't my boss, but he's my boss's boss. And uh, my boss loved me because we're wildly profitable. So he gets bonuses based on it. I didn't. And I remember sitting in a meeting with Matt. And if you guys have ever played Sonic the, he- Sonic the Hedgehog, he kind of looked like, no, he didn't kind of look, he literally looked like Dr. Eggman, okay? Dr. Eggman was literally this guy's doppelganger. So I'm sitting in his office and I asked Matt, I'm like, hey, Matt, um, here's what I have. Here's, where, here's the numbers for the last six months. Here's the amount of money that I have made in profit for the business after all expenses, after everything. And all I want is to make the same amount of money that the other project managers were making. And at that time, I think it was $140,000, $145,000 a year. And he literally looked me dead square in the eyes and said, son, you're too young to make that kind of money. And I knew right there, my time in corporate America was over. I looked at him, I said, Matt, you put your pants on the exact same way I do every day. Age has nothing to do with it. We're clearly wildly profitable, wildly successful. Here's my company card. Here's my, or my company credit card. Here's my company uh, car keys, truck keys. Here's my company laptop. I'm, I'm done. And I walked out the door. I remember sitting on the curb going, shit, what did I just do? Did I just really give up the best opportunity that I had in, in business? Like, do I, am I ever going to get an opportunity like this again? Here I am, 20 years old, making more money than most kids, most 20 years old, 20 year olds make, especially at that time. Because the, you know, the internet was, was obviously around, but it wasn't something where people were you know, making lavish money online like they do today. And so I'm sitting on the curb, kind of dreading my, my decision, going, man, what do I do next? So I start making some phone calls, and I go and I start doing one project on my own. And then I do another project on my own. And then I do another project on my own. And shortly after that, within 90 days, I was up and running, and I was wildly successful, wildly profitable, at least what I expected at the time, it outgrew my expectations. And the thing was, was I knew how to do all the parts and pieces in a business, but I got very, very niche down and I got very, very, very focused on one type of project in that industry. And once I got very focused on the one type of project in that industry, I began going, how can we make this more efficient? How can we make this more efficient? How can we make this more efficient? Fast forward about a year later, I actually sold that company for a pretty decent profit. And um, for me, at least, you know, I'm 21 going to 22 years old. And uh, for me, that was huge, right? You hear people exiting companies for millions and millions. That is not the story. But for me, 21 years old, that was huge. And so <clears throat> at that time, I'm like, cool, this was simple. Let's do this again. And I ended up partnering with a gentleman and we, we move into starting a business together. And I actually gotten a call from him. He called me and he goes, he goes, hey, man, you don't know me. Uh, I got your number from this guy named Bill. And uh, this guy's name was Mike. We called him Breeze uh, after I got to know him a little bit because he was fast as the wind. Anyways, so Breeze calls me. And he says, hey, listen, I got your number from Bill. Uh, 
Bill says that you're really, really good at running a business. My business is bleeding cash right now. I am out about fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month, and I cannot support this business for another six months. Will you come in? Will you please help me fix my business? I said, look, dude, I'm not interested. Um, I'm gonna go do my own thing, and uh, I was planning on doing some traveling and enjoying the money that I had uh, just come into. And so, fast forward just a little bit further. We, he goes, he calls me back a couple days later. He goes, look. I'm bleeding. I'm either going to shut this down or I need your help. Well, can I at least take you out to dinner? And I said, sure. And uh, I, I just found sushi at the time. And uh, I was like, I, I was like, cool. Do you like sushi? Trying to be all fancy. I was like, you like sushi? He's like, yeah, yeah, I like sushi. I'll name the place. I'll meet you there. And so he drives all the way from uh, South San Diego, all the way into Hemet. There's no freeways into Hemet. It's about 45 minutes from a freeway just to get there. He drives in. He meets me at this, uh, this little hole-in-the-wall sushi place. Come to find out, Breeze didn't even like sushi. <laughs> I didn't know this for probably another two, three weeks after we had started talking. And he goes, look, man, I am bleeding. I need your help. Bill says, you are really good. You are really efficient. Will you come help me? What is it going to take? And um, at the time, I came up with the wildest number I could come up with. I said, I want 10K a month. I want a $700 a month truck allowance. I want a company credit card. I don't want you to, I don't want no regulation. I'm going to spend on whatever I want. And um, just like that, he goes, done. Reaches his hand across the table, says, done. And I'm in shock. I literally made him an offer that I thought he was going to tell me no to. Here we are sitting across the table from this guy I've never met before named Breeze. Come to find out he's not even, he doesn't even like sushi. He's not eating sushi with me. So I felt kind of weird. And here he is, he, he offers me exactly what I wanted to come in and fix his business. And um, so I go into the business and immediately got pushback from the employees. Um, there was this, uh, this gentleman, his name was also Mike, and he was like the, I don't know what you'd call him at the time, the foreman, if you will, but like the, the senior foreman, he had been there. And um, we called him Big Johnson, Big Mike Johnson. And so Mike had a lot of pushback. He was in his late, you know, early forties, late thirties, early forties. I was a young whippersnapper, 22 years old, coming in to take over this business as second in command. Now they were bleeding cash. They were bleeding cash left and right. And what I was able to do is I was able to come in and take this business from losing 60,000 a month to profiting over 75,000 a month in six short months. Fast forward another six months, we both exit the company for a decent chunk of change. Now, I only had a small portion of his company, but I was able to live the lifestyle I wanted. I had the salary that I wanted. I had the vehicle and the truck that I wanted. And here we are exiting for a decent sum of cash. All because I was able to take a company that was failing, was bleeding, and turn it into a company that was wildly profitable, especially for that industry. I remember on one of the jobs that we had done... Um, it was a job in Malibu. And so we're on this rooftop in Malibu. And for those of you that don't know, and listen, I'm going to get into coaching and consulting. I just want to give you guys a little bit of a backstory. We're on this rooftop in Malibu and we are setting up this, uh, this facade. And this material that we're working with is basically made out of fiberglass and it's terrible to work with. And so um, most of the guys didn't really like working with it. And I think we, um, I think we quoted the job at about 75 or $80,000. Well, because of the way we were able to be so efficient in setting everything up, we were able to go out and within two days, completely finish this job start to finish. And it was a $75,000 job. And I remember, I remember Breeze calling to me about two, three days later. He goes, hey man, when are we going to be done with that job in Malibu? I need to make sure that we can invoice on it so we can get paid. I said, hey man, we're already done. We're already invoiced. We're good to go. 
He's like, what do you mean? You guys just started on Monday. It's hardly Friday. I said, yeah, we were done on Tuesday. I sent over the invoice. I sent over the closeout documents on Wednesday. Everything's been painted. We're good to go. Uh, the client has approved it, and they'll be sending the, uh, the invoice on our net 90 terms, so you'll, you'll see the money come through in 90 days. And um, I remember him being kind of dumbfounded, and he was unsure if I was actually the right guy for the job, which sounds odd, but he thought I cut all these corners. He thought that I went out there and just threw some stuff up. And so he actually drove out to Malibu that next morning to check on our work, to see if what I told him was actually true. And lo and behold, there's the job, and it's a pristine, perfect job. All in all, we ended up doing about a 65% margin on that job, which again, in that industry is just abnormally unheard of. It is wildly profitable. And I remember him calling me up and being like, dude, I don't know how you did it, but I want you, and we we, we were both into shopping a lot of the time, and we both enjoyed nice clothes. He goes, I want you to take the company card and I want you to go buy yourself a new wardrobe. Buy whatever you want, go to Nordstrom, buy whatever you want. I said, cool, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Let's move on to the next one. Um, And that happened over and over and over again until we exited. Um, and I could tell you story and story and story about that in that in the tower in the construction business. I have stories up, and I'm sure I'll share a lot of them on this podcast. But uh, the point of all of this is that maximum efficiency creates maximum effectiveness. Now there is a trade-off. Sometimes you have to sacrifice effectiveness for efficiency for some time until you get the kinks worked out and the bugs worked out. And you have to maybe invest more time into learning how to be efficient because a lot of people, what they do is they just go run and they just go do and they just go do and do and do and do. And what happens is, is you end up on this hamster wheel of, of, of doing and you've built this business, you've built these clients, you have this marketing machine, you have the sales team, but yet here you are stuck in the day to day of the business. That's not what you got into this for. And you've been so focused on the doing and the getting things done and being effective that you have completely abandoned efficiency. And that was their root problem. They, they, they sacrificed efficiency for effectiveness. And what happens is it gets to a point, a glass ceiling, if you will, where effectiveness is no longer potent without the magic ingredient, which is efficiency. And so a lot of what we're going to be talking about is how you can become more and more efficient so you can have maximum potency in your effectiveness. And so most of you are stuck in that day-to-day hamster wheel, and I'm here to tell you that it does not have to be that way. And I'm going to be going behind the scenes, peeling back the curtain on all of the companies that we've been working with in the coaching and consulting, the infopreneur, online expert, whatever you want to call it space over the last 18 months. And I'll tell you something, and I don't tell you this to brag or to, 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 to impress, right? I just simply tell you this to know that like, we know what we're doing, we've been here. And so every single client that we have worked one-on-one with over the last 18 months has more than doubled their revenue and has either maintained or increased their profit margin. Now, you'd be, you'd be like, well, maintaining profit margin's not very efficient. Well, maintaining profit margin and doubling the business That's a double into your bank account because profit is all that matters at the end of the day. Now, if we can increase revenue and increase profit margin, that's a double double. And so what I want to do is share with you guys some of the secrets, some of the times that we've uh, gone in. I'll share with you the stories, the nitty gritty, the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and the downs, the times I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, the times I've made it. 
the ways that we've been able to increase these, the, the, the maximum potency of the efficiency and effectiveness in these businesses. Um, but I think what's more important with you guys is I want to share with you on this first episode the reason why I'm doing this. I think that that's important things to share. And for me, you know, I have a heart for rescuing victims of sex trafficking. And, you know, rescuing victims of sex trafficking is not cheap. It does take quite a bit of money to extract these people, extract these women and children that are be held in cages, to go in, to rip them out of those cages, to make the arrests, and to get these people rehabilitated so they can come back into society without all of the trauma and damage that goes along with being sex trafficked. And so the, the, the main reason, if you guys were to ask me what, what, what my why is, what my reason behind doing this is, is so we can go out and fund the rescue of women and children who are being held inside cages, inside some of the most darkest, deepest, most disgusting and vile places of this earth, and using our funding and our finances to be able to go out and do that. On average, it takes about forty dollars to $50,000 to go in and rescue a, an individual, a victim of sex trafficking. Now, it doesn't even include the rehabilitation and the years and years of rehab that these people have to go through just to become a normal member of society and get some type of, 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 of their life back. And it's never going to be the same for them, but it's a much better environment than they could have ever, ever lived in their previous environment. So for me, and everything that we do, and everything, all of the profits that come into our business and everything that we're doing, we're always trying to figure out how can we give back to, uh, for us, it's Operation Underground Railroad right now, and that's who we're giving to. And so everything that we're doing is all stemming from that. And so everything that I've done in my business, everything that I do in my business, all of the, the reasons, the ups, the downs, the failures, the stories that I'm going to share with you guys, the one thing that has kept me going on a consistent basis over the last six, five, six, five, six years is simply knowing that there is something much, much bigger than me, and God put me on this earth to help individuals like yourself grow and scale your business so you can take that profit and turn that into what I call kingdom fuel. And so if any of this resonates with you, I will see you guys on episode number two.